0: Welcome to 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. As always, I'm joined by John Paulson. JP, how are we doing today? Uh, not bad. How are you doing? <laughs> I would give you the same. Nah, not bad. I'm ready to ready to talk about 444 for 4, uh, fantasy football and just you know um, concentrate on something that isn't as as important yet more fun than what we're what we're all dealing with right now. So let's do that uh, first. Tell us about the music that brought us in.
1: Yeah, it's a band. Um called James. I've been diving into some 90s Britpop lately, and uh, uh, the track is uh, called Laid, and uh, you'll probably recognize it It was a, I guess, a minor to moderate hit here in the United States, but they've got a couple other songs um, that people should check out. Um, Sit Down is a good one and Say Something, but it looks like it's off their uh, 1993 album of the same name, so uh, check it out. The Most Accurate
0: Podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, home of the snake draft format, the Battle Royale. More on that a little bit later on. 444 now has a Discord, as we've been telling you on previous podcasts. It's a community where 444 subscribers can interact with each other and the 444 Analyst, and it's where John posts his Thinking Inside the Box series of stats on Monday. So if you want to join, just go to bit.ly slash 444 Discord, and that's the number 4. F O R number four, Discord, bit.ly slash four for four Discord, all in lowercase to you verify your subscription to get started. And if you haven't signed up for four for four yet, prices have now been re- reduced to $9 for a classic subscription, $14 for a pro subscription, and $24 for a rest of season DFS slash betting subscription. We combine the two so you get DFS and betting in one subscription that that is now $24, like I said. You can use the code JOHN10, J-O-H-N 10, to get 10% off those already reduced prices. Let's go over some notes. We'll do some sneaky starts. John will also tell you how you can prepare for your, your playoffs, your playoff weeks in fantasy as well. So that's what we got coming up on the podcast. John, let's start off with Josh Gordon. He was reinstated unbelievably he's only 29 years old he's coming back from his fifth NFL subspe- suspension now he can't join the team again he can't practice with the Seahawks
1: until December 21st do you think he's worth a pickup I don't I don't see a, I mean coming he's coming back off of a long layoff uh, I'm sorry to laugh I just I just saw a lot of like excitement about his return I think maybe people are just excited that he's returning because he's an you know could be an exciting player. Not so much for the fantasy impact of it, but you know he's coming off such a long layoff, joining a team that you know he hasn't played for in a while, um, and is you know coming off the coming out of the gate with David Moore there as the third receiver. Does he come in and play a full complement of snaps? Week 16, you know I don't just don't see it happening or really being a fantasy factor that week. I mean it probably would have him ranked as a wide receiver five or six. Uh, heading into that so I wouldn't trip over you know anybody trying to get to the waiver wire to pick up uh, Josh Gordon for one week unless you're I mean if you're if your league goes to week 17 then maybe you you might want to pick him up but it's that's still a few weeks off and you got to get to that point before you can uh, you know play those games
0: Let's go over some running backs, some injuries specifically. We'll start off with the Raiders. Josh Jacobs. He remained sidelined at practice on Thursday. His injury supposedly looked worse than it is, but we're looking at back-to-back not did not practices now, John. So, how confident are you in Josh Jacobs on Sunday when the Raiders take on the Jets in East Rutherford?
1: Well, this this will kind of play into the playoff pickup um, plan, or you know what what to do when you're getting ready for the for the week 14 to week 16 playoffs or the week 15 to 16 playoffs but one of the things i did and i believe it was scott fishbowl was pick up Devonte booker because i had some roster spots and getting past my buys um just trying to pick up these high value backups that if there is an injury to one of these running backs and now you have a starter that's probably going to get 15 to 20 touches so in this situation Booker is you know right now Jacobs is out of the the ranking rankings so Booker is ranked as a, like a high-end RB2 um, he's performed well when he's given been given opportunities in this offense uh, and you know he had a couple touchdowns against his old team a few weeks ago uh, so right now with Jacobs I believe um, John Gruden said he was optimistic about Jacobs playing or that Jacobs was optimistic about playing uh, in week 13 and when a player is optimistic about playing I don't think that that's that big a deal because they're usually optimistic about their ability to you know get healthy by Sunday, but the fact that he's been out a couple of days of practice, we'll see what he does today, um, and you know if he's listed as questionable, if he's listed as out, um, you know Booker will be definitely be startable as a sneaky start um, this week. I think with with Jacobs the it might be a high ankle sprain. A couple of the injury people that I follow thought that the mechanism on the injury uh looked like a high ankle sprain that's something that it's gonna it's gonna probably linger for a couple weeks he might be able to play through it but uh not too often that first week do do they play through the high ankle sprain
0: deandre swift lions running back exited the league's concussion protocol but missed practice on thursday with an illness so if it isn't one thing unfortunately with deandre swift it's another what's your advice to deandre swift owners this week
1: uh, yeah, I'm looking at the, the latest, uh, on Friday, it says, um, still missing practice. Um, uh, yeah, according to Kyle, my, key, uh, he won't practice today because of the illness, no practice yesterday, limited Wednesday, hasn't played in the last two weeks. He could play Sunday, but we'll see Adrian Peterson. Um, I said yesterday, the day before that he just didn't seem like himself after his concussion. Uh, that is just, just wasn't his usual energy. And, um, and everything at practice so that was a little concerning i think um but he has cleared concussion protocol as uh tory petri uh reported so if this illness if he can get past this usually with illnesses we just you know okay he's sick on wednesday and you know he's gonna play on sunday or even if he's sick on friday he's gonna play on sunday um but you know in the days of covid now things everything everything kind of perks our ears up uh with with illnesses as well so if he does play uh, I mean, I believe I had him as a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 at the start of the week. I took him out of the rankings. And if I put him back in um, and it looks like he's going to play, I'll probably have him as a low-end RB2 and more of a committee, uh, given the lack of practice time and, and Peterson's comments about his overall energy level.
0: Couple of notes on the Dolphins' running back situation. So Miles Gaskin, who is on IR, he's been practicing for two weeks now, but the team has until Saturday afternoon to activate him for their Week 13 against th- Week 13 game against the Bengals. Uh, same backfield situation. You've got Sylvan uh, Ahmed, who is dealing with a shoulder injury. He remained limited in Thursday's practice. Ahmed is is trending toward playing, though. But you've got a really unclear backfield situation with Miami, John, with Gaskin also maybe in the mix.
1: Yeah, if, if, um, if Gaskin isn't activated and Ahmed is activated or is uh, actually plays, he's not on IR or anything. So uh, that would be Ahmed probably in the lead role with Matt Breda and DeAndre Washington if he can play. He's, he's also got a hamstring injury, Washington does, uh, and didn't practice yesterday um Ahmed would be the the lead back in that situation. I think if Miles Gaskin uh is is activated and plays, I think he moves back into that lead role but Ahmed might be have a more of a role than what the the backups did when uh, Gaskin was the lead back. I mean Gaskin was getting most of the touches in that backfield when he was healthy and you know, he's had quite a quite a bit of time off so they may not want to give him 20 25 touches uh, in his first game back. Kalen Balazs, the Chargers running
0: back, was limited at practice on Thursday. He was also limited on Wednesday. Now, he was inactive last week against the Bills, so Austin Eckler came back from his hamstring injury and basically took over the backfield's workhorse situation, the backfield uh, workhorse role. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Kalen Bellage and then Austin Eckler uh, by connection there, John?
1: Well, I don't think that Kalen Bellage played well enough to – um necessarily even pass Joshua Kelly as the RB two. I mean they've they, the the Chargers seem to be set on Kelly as the RB two no matter who the R B one is. Um for for a while there it was Belage, and then Kelly was rotating in. Austin Eckler came back um and then Kelly was rotating in. He had a good run I think last week. Um Tremaine Pope had kind of outplayed Kelly in that one game but never really I mean, he had a concussion, I think, and came back, and then Kelly is still ahead of him. So I wouldn't count on Belage having a big role if Eckler and Kelly are out there as well, and they're both healthy. So, um, I mean, he could, I guess, move ahead of Kelly, but I think they are pretty invested in Kelly, given the draft pick, and they, they want to develop him, and he's starting to show some signs of life in the running game. So um, I would expect it to be Eckler and Kelly uh, for the stretch run here as long as both stay uh, uh, healthy.
0: Todd Gurley returned to practice on Wednesday. He was limited to individual drills, but he did miss practice all of last week, which led to him being inactive in the Falcons' win over the Raiders. Edo Smith rushed 12 times for 65 yards. He scored a touchdown in that in that game against the Raiders. Brian Hill rushed 13 times for 55 yards. So if, if Gurley can't go again, you're looking at a backfield split between Edo Smith and Brian Hill. But if Gurley does play, do you? It's a bad matchup against the. Saints, Saints, very good against the run, John. What's your advice to Todd Gurley owners?
1: If Gurley, I mean, Gurley was, uh, he missed practice on Thursday is what I was trying to get out there. Um, And I think if he's out again, I mean, that might have just been a day off. Like, they wanted to see how he was doing on Wednesday. They gave him a day off on Thursday, and then they're going to see how he is on Friday. Uh, If he's able to go, then he's, you know, low-end RB2, high-end RB3 against the Saints defense. I mean, their, their rush defense is fantastic. Uh, so whoever is carrying the ball is gonna have a tough time finding yards and touchdowns against this team. So if it's uh if Gurley's out, then you are splitting the backfield between Hill and Edo Smith and neither one of them is really startled unless you're just desperate to, you know, try to get ten, maybe ten touches. And I still don't think they're gonna see as many touches as they did last week against the the Raiders. So now you're taking the, the lead back workload and basically splitting it between two people. Uh, and uh, it just it gets into a situation where he's just not going to guarantee a ton of touches. Uh, so it was a little surprising that Hill didn't do better last week. Uh, Smith ended up seeing a lot of work, and Hill didn't really run that well, uh, given the fact that you know he had been really productive on a per carry basis and, and showed some uh, – he, he wasn't great last year either in the feature role, so maybe he's just sort of destined to be that uh, backup back. I was
0: about to say, yeah, he just seems to be one of those guys that does better when he's – he's the number 2 back behind somebody yeah. exactly yeah and he comes in and he winds up you know performing pretty well and you think okay he's going to get his opportunity and he just he just squanders that like you said he he didn't do much with the lead back role last week or, or last year let's talk about wide receivers now aj brown did not practice on thursday for the titans this looks like a new injury for him it's a it's a hip injury but he had a great performance last week against the colts 95 yards touchdown on four receptions for him. How concerned should A.J. Brown owners be?
1: Mildly, since it's a new uh, injury. I think we were getting used to seeing him sit with a knee injury uh, midweek or late week uh, and then end up practicing on Friday and playing really well on Sunday. But this is uh, a little bit alarming since they're listing it as a hip as opposed to the knee. So it makes you wonder, did he do something in practice um, you know, on Wednesday and, and having him sit out on Thursday. So we have to wait to see what the, the practice report looks for, looks like on Friday. Um, and if you heard there, my dog was definitely <laughs> interested in talking about uh, Brian Hill uh, and how he's a change, of, <laughs> how he's a change of pace back. Uh, he heard somebody at the door and decided to, to bark and interrupt the, the podcast, but apologize for that. Um, I would say that right now as an AG, AJ Brown owner in a couple of weeks, I'm not, too worried but if he misses practice today or is uh, potentially uh, limited and then is questionable then I start to uh, become a little bit worried about his availability on Sunday. DJ Chark similar situation he he remained limited on Thursday
0: we don't know about his Friday status yet but he's dealing with ribs injury Chark could play but you know if he's limited again on Friday it winds up being a shaky situation but Minnesota is a good matchup John.
1: Yeah, and uh, Mike Lennon was willing to push the ball downfield, which plays into his skill set. Uh, so uh, we shall see. This is a, another situation where you're just waiting on that Friday practice to see what the status is, and then if he's questionable, you're you're looking for a, a tweet from uh, Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport or somebody uh, giving a better idea of, of whether or not he's going to play. I think if he is active, then that you know he's still the number one there. Uh, it didn't look like uh, Glennon, you know, favored uh, Keelan Cole or um, uh, Chris Conley was out, so it was Chenault who didn't get much action. Cole, and then Colin Johnson was the big like breakout player. I think he had ninety six yards and a touchdown. That's what I'm meant by Glennon uh, wanting to push the ball downfield. So I don't know that Johnson's going to play much with with Chark back. I think he sort of fills that role. So. Um, if he is back, then he'd be a decent start. I wouldn't want to run him out there with a, a new quarterback and a rib injury, but you know, sometimes uh, beggars can't be choosers. The Julio Jones situation, once again, convoluted as he did not
0: practice on Thursday. In fact, it was a downgrade, and midweek downgrades are never good. If he's doubtful on Sunday, you'd love to know by you know Saturday, John, or, or certainly before the game. They, the Falcons do play the Saints early, but it's not a great matchup. And even in games that he has played, there have been times where Julio Jones just doesn't finish. So,
1: what what's your best advice for Julio Jones owners at this point? Well, he's uh, so productive when he's healthy, and so if he gets a full practice in, which he probably won't today you know, you feel better about it. If he gets a limited in and is questionable, then you're like, all right, well this is a typical Julio Jones situation. If he's if he's active, unless you're pretty stacked at receiver, you pretty much have to start him. I'll probably have him ranked in the teens again if you know if he's kind of gimpy or iffy because he has sometimes in this situation come out and just tore up a team. So he hasn't had much problem with the Saints. They're not a great matchup. They've been better against the pass, but they've you know given up a lot of touchdowns. And the Falcons probably aren't going to be able to run on them, so they're going to. It's like a pass funnel situation where there's going to be more pass attempts available for Ridley and and Jones and the other pass catchers. Uh, so he could have a big game against them if he's active. All right, a couple of tight ends before we get to some sneaky starts.
0: And again, John's going to help you help to prepare you for your fantasy playoffs and kind of some some tips on what you do. But again, some tight end news. Zach Ertz activated from injured reserve. He's been out since week six, John. He has 24 catches for 178 yards and a touchdown on 45 targets for six games this year. So he is Zach Ertz and it's a situation where he's active, so I'm assuming he's healthy enough. Uh, is is he worth starting this week as the Eagles take on your Packers?
1: Ertz People need to remember that Ertz at this point is. I'm not, you know, I don't want to disparage the guy, but he's more of a name right now than he is an actual fantasy producer. If you look at what he did prior to the injury, 6.3 points per game in half PPR formats. That's the number 24 tight end average. Um, So that's not great. Uh, He did play two thirds of his snaps in that final game and scored 7.3 points in PPR formats. He did have a couple games over 10 in PPR, but it's just not the same Zach Ertz that we're used to, uh, even though he did get, uh, you know, seven, seven, 10 and 10 targets in four of his six games with five and six in the other two games. So he is involved. If you're desperate at tight end, you could run him out there. You might get a touchdown. You might actually get a decent game out of them. Uh, but it's not like, you know, this is Travis Kelsey out for a week or two and coming back and you're getting the number two or three tight end, <laughs> uh, fancy tight end back um, he was drafted that way just this year he just hasn't produced at that level so I wouldn't uh, run out uh, and start him unless you're pretty desperate at the position
0: and then one more injury note Jonu Smith remains sidelined on Thursday Smith has not practiced all week after failing to draw a target against the Colts last Sunday this isn't a game where that you know it was an absolute shootout and the Titans scored a bunch of points so kind of concerning I would imagine that Smith is more of a tight end too at this point John
1: yeah, he just hasn't uh, produced at the level that uh, he was prior. You know, earlier in the season, uh, the targets have been there. I guess in week ten, he had six targets. Week eleven, he had six targets. He had four catches for twenty yards and a touchdown. It's been mostly touchdowns for him. He's got three hundred thirty-eight yards receiving, so thirty yards per game, thirty-one yards per game, and, and seven touchdowns. So he's averaging .64 touchdowns per game. So he's always a threat for the end zone. Uh, the tight end position is, you know, really pretty rough after uh, Kelsey Waller and, you know, Hawkinson, maybe Hunter Henry. Uh, it gets pretty scary. Uh, so, you know, if you're, if you're, if you don't have a better option, then, you know, keep running him out there. He probably should bounce back a little bit from the zero targets last week and week 12. The problem is this injury. And we don't know yet on Friday if he's, if he's practicing, if he's out, uh, Anthony Fersker is an interesting play i would add him to the um sneaky starts for this week uh, if uh he, he wasn't out at practice on wednesday but i believe he practiced yesterday so he's more healthy than johnny smith at this point if johnny's out forkshire probably is almost an every down tight end and he should see uh, plenty of work uh in that in that offense with, with smith sidelined This podcast is brought to you by
0: Prediction Strike, which is the only performance-based sports stock market where you can buy shares of players as if they were stocks. For example, the share price of Kyler Murray has increased from about $1.70 before week one to $2.93 now since he's outperforming expectations. Prediction Strike lets fans create portfolios of their favorite players so they can get even closer to the game. Go to predictionstrike.com to create an account, deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares shares of virtually any player you want just like real stocks the value of those shares will change based on how they play and how you can trade those shares at any time so as long as uh, the the player isn't currently playing that's a that that that's uh that's how that applies did you know that Aaron Rodgers for example is going to bounce back with an MVP caliber season if you did well here's your chance to you can profit off that prediction get started by visiting predictionstrike.com sign up with code TMAP to get an additional $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more. And be sure to download the prediction strike app in the Apple app store. So if you feel as though that uh, you have some You have a good feeling for the stock market, and you want to apply that to to Fantasy. Again, Prediction Strike is is where it's all at. We all love snake drafts. We all love big prizes, but we don't all love big entry fees or multi-week contests. So Underdog Fantasy just released an all-new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. In Battle Royale, you draft a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the other teams, in your specific draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. This way, they pull together the prizes so they can offer big tournament-style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format. If you think this is your week and you could draft the best team, you have to try try Battle Royale. It offers the big upside a normal snake draft can't with prizes that used to be only attainable in season-long or salary cap tournaments. The Battle Royale is already up in the Underdog app and website. It's $5 to enter has a $25,000 prize pool and pays out $5,000 to first place. So some nice holiday winnings and earnings there if you can uh, pull it off in underdog fantasy. John, we, we said earlier we wanted to help listeners out when it comes to preparing for the playoffs. So what's your, what's your best advice when it comes to playoff preparation since you've done this a lot? and see, I know every year you you have at least one or if not multiple teams that are in the playoffs, so you've got the experience here. What's, what's some some tips that you have when it comes to playoff preparation in fantasy?
1: Well, once you get past your buys, and we're almost past them now, we just have a couple teams on buy this week, uh, you do not need to keep some of that depth that's at – Uh, Probably the running back position and the wide receiver position. You don't necessarily need your tight end too if you were carrying one. So you have a few little spots on the on the on the bench that you can utilize for for other situations. And I think some people have already started this process or have or started it early in the season. You know, if if you have a big. Bench. You might be stashed. You might have stashed uh, Devontae Booker the entire year. Uh, sometimes he's not available on the waiver wire. Even when there's, uh, he's not really doing a whole lot. People are just playing um, the possibility of an injury. I call them attrition plays. So if there's an injury, all of a sudden you have a starter caliber, flex caliber, uh, running back to 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 run out there, and you don't even have to. It's, it's sort of a handcuff, but not for your player. It's a handcuff for another player that you're looking at. So. The top ones to stash, I mean, you, you. some of these guys are like Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Williams are owned in 66-plus percent of Yahoo leagues, so not widely available. But if they happen to be out there, you know, if there's an injury to Edwards-Lair or Aaron Jones, these players turn into 15 to 20-touch type players. Uh, Carlos Hyde, I think, has an injury right now, but he would, if similarly, if... Uh, Chris Carson were to be knocked out of a game, uh, or for a couple games, uh, Tony Pollard is one of the better uh, attrition plays. But the the Cowboys' offense is not humming like it used to. But he would he would be a really good play if Ezekiel Elliott was out. Boston Scott, uh, Joshua Kelly, Alexander Madison, like Jordan Wilkins for the Colts. So those are the types of players that you're looking at. I mentioned Booker before. We've, we've talked about, uh, Benny Snell, uh, you know, as the James Connor handcuff Latavius Murray is probably the number one guy to have. I don't know that he's available in any leagues at this point. He's scoring touchdowns now, and uh, now producing Kamara, uh, Brian Hill and Edo Smith, as we mentioned earlier. So those are the types of players that you would add and then give yourself some cover and also give yourself some options if, if there's an injury late in the season, um, and give you some upside uh, in the playoffs, especially if you running back core is weak. If you have a couple of studs, uh, then, then adding those guys pretty much serves to take those points, potential points off the table, and maybe your uh, opponent can't use them against you. I think that's the, the big king thing. And then the other thing that you want to do is if, you're, if your team, if your league uses a defense, a team defense, I get a lot of questions about this on Twitter, like what defenses should I stash uh, for the playoffs? Uh, most people at this point are probably streaming defenses. There's a, a couple few that you would um, want to start every week that are good enough to start every week, but most of them most people I know are streaming or they have a decent one that they keep running out there and maybe they're running them out there in a bad matchup, but you want to look ahead. Uh, what I did with uh, FFPC is I just, just had a notebook and I wrote down the three t- teams that we're carrying right now and I wrote down their matchups. And I highlighted the good ones from our hotspots report and I put squares around mediocre matchups. And then I wrote out the five or six mediocre defenses that are on the waiver wire and wrote out all their matchups. And I sent a picture of that to my co-owner and we discussed like what the plan is for weeks 14 through 16, or in our case it was week 12 through 16 because we have uh, FFPC playoffs last week and this week. So, uh, that's how we did it. We want to make sure that we have a good a, a good to, good to a mediocre to good defense in a great matchup. If we can, um, it's okay. If you have a great defense in a so-so matchup, but I wouldn't want to start the Steelers against the chiefs, for example. Uh, so you're, or really anybody against the Packers, uh, it's just such a low chance for turnovers and sacks. Uh, and you're probably going to get a lot of points put up on you, even if you have a good defense. So, you want to avoid those best offenses. Um, so I, in the, in the sneaky starts article that we're going to discuss here, I did put this uh, at the bottom defenses to stream. And there was a few that jumped out at me. The Seahawks had, you know, kind of a bad fantasy defense, but they added a couple players um, defensively and have getting more pressure on the quarterback. Um, and they have the giants jets in Washington in weeks 13 through 15. So I think they're the ideal pickup for somebody that just wants one defense to play. Um, the Rams have the Jets in week 15. Uh, the Browns have a couple of touch matchups in the next two weeks, but they face the Giants and the Jets in week 15 and week 16. The Panthers are coming off a bye, and they have the Broncos in week 14 and Washington in week 16. And then I list another four or five uh, teams that have some good matchups in these fantasy playoffs. And, you know, owners can look at our hotspots report and see and kind of piece together, puzzle together uh, a two or three team committee. And you can use one of these extra bench spots to carry a second defense or even carry a third defense like we are in ffpc because we want to guarantee that we can get some good production out of that defensive spot uh when it comes to play I mean, everybody's with everybody streaming uh you can't get these guys get these teams off the waiver wire because you're going to be outspent probably
0: well, good stuff, John. I know a lot of people need to review that and go over, because you, you provided a lot of tips there. But one thing that you did mention was your Sneaky Starts article, and this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Every single week, we wrap it up with a, 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 a look at John's Sneaky Starts Week 13 article, whatever week it is. As I remind everybody every single week here, if you go to 444.com, your subscriber, you john's got a a lot of sneaky start options for you certainly more than what we discuss on the podcast but this is essentially just a taste so let's start off with some quarterbacks we're getting running backs wide receivers and tight ends both two quarterbacks that are listed among your other quarterbacks and sneaky starts one of them is baker mayfield against the tennessee titans
1: yeah, I kept beating the, the, the Baker Mayfield drum uh, over the last few weeks, and then the weather kept cro- cropping up. They had the two high wind games where they were 30-mile-per-hour plus, and then they had the torrential downpour uh, a couple weeks ago and just not good conditions for Mayfield, so his numbers really suffered. And um, I thought that last week would be his his good his chance to sort of break out and have a good game, and he did. Against the Jaguars, he had uh, 258 yards uh, passing and two touchdowns against Jacksonville. Uh, this matchup against uh, Tennessee is favorable. The 27th adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, they've given up the 7th most passing yards and 2nd most passing touchdowns to quarterbacks this season. And you know Tennessee is going to score uh, on the Browns. So this you know, is one of the higher totals on the slate this week. I think it might even be the highest, 53, 54 points. Um, so, uh, Mayfield, I think, is a pretty good start this week. Uh,
0: now, I call him Mitchy Football, Mitch Trubisky. So, you've got him <laughs> listed among your sneaky starts as well. If there's one thing that Mitchy Football does well, it is post big numbers against the Lions. Now, I don't know how much changes with Matt Patricia no longer the head coach for the Lions, but Mitchy Football loves himself some Detroit Lions.
1: Yeah, and I have some stats I pulled from, it's actually from Evan Silva's uh, matchups column over at Establish the Run. Uh, he used to be at Roto World. It's a great column. Um, digs into some of the matchups even more. But he uh, he found that Trubisky completed 68% since coming into the NFL. Trubisky's uh, converted 68% of his pass attempts for 6, 6, or 1601 yards, 7.9 yards per attempt, a 14 uh, to four touchdown to interception ratio, plus uh, 18.7 yards rushing per game. Um, and an an additional rushing touchdown across six games with the Lions, according to Evan Silva. So this is the team that Mitch has his best games against. Their 13th in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to quarterbacks this year. And I'm interested to see with the coaching change there. I don't think that we're going from a defensive-minded head coach to an offensive-minded interim head coach, so I don't know that the defense is going to take a giant step forward. Uh, trubisky ended up with 18.8 fantasy points last week against the packers Uh, the lions just gave up 318 yards and four touchdowns to deshaun watson on thanksgiving Uh, they gave up 262 yards and three touchdowns to philip rivers 220 and three to kirk cousins uh, that was back in week eight and week nine so they they can be had and you know mitchy football as you call him has some uh some weapons in that passing game and um, I think he could put together two to three touchdowns and a pretty good yardage day for for you. A
0: couple of running backs that you like his sneaky starts this week. Naheem Hines. I feel as though Naheem Hines is just underrated every single week, and, and you like his matchup this Sunday against the Texans.
1: Yeah, Jonathan Taylor's going to be back. He was a COVID um, high-risk contact. I don't think he actually contracted COVID. As far as I know and it looks like he's back at practice this week and is going to be active for this game and you know he took a big step forward in his last healthy game 22 carries for 90 yards uh four catches for 24 yards against my Packers um one of his better games of the year or certainly one of his better games the last month or two uh, but Hines has stayed involved and I think this is a good matchup for him as well I think he'll see his usual 10 to 15 touches. And, and these are going to be high quality touches against the Texans who are 31st and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They've over the last, um, four games, they've given up 33.8 touches for 181 total yards. It's 4.57 yards per carry and 1.25 touchdowns to opposing backfields, uh, over the last month. So, uh, even if Taylor's back, I think Hines is startable. Benny Snell
0: is among your listed st- sneaky starts as well at running back. He rushed 16 times for 60 yards in the Steelers Wednesday afternoon, went over the Ravens. He also caught three or four targets for 33 receiving yards after James Conner tested positive for COVID-19. So Snell might S- Snell might be the lead back again when the Steelers take on the Washington football team on Monday.
1: Yeah, that's a Monday game, so uh, Connor does have an extra day to perhaps get off the the COVID list. But I would say right now, I think it's going to be Snell, uh, and he did he did produce against the Ravens last week. Um, a pretty nice fantasy day. Didn't score, didn't find the end zone, um, but he did have a pretty good game. and I think he'll see the vast majority of the touches uh, against the against Washington. Um, the key here is that you can't necessarily count on him because connor could get cleared sunday but i don't know how much he would play you know with one day to prepare you know one day back with the team so you know snell might see um a larger share of the you know the backup touches or maybe even lead the backfield with connor in the backup role we saw that in week one um when snell led that backfield so just something to keep an eye on is Connor's status, because if Connor's out, then Snell's a pretty good start. Let's talk about some wide receivers now as well. Cole Beasley
0: goes against the 49ers. Now, the 49ers had a pretty good day last week against the
1: Rams when they got some healthy guys back, but still like the matchup, John? Well, in the slot, I think it's a pretty good matchup for Beasley. It's better than what Diggs and Gabriel Davis have outside um, with Richard Sherman and Jason Verrett, Uh Beasley's going to be up against Emmanuel Mosley, and from a fantasy points per route standpoint, it's been a lot more productive to throw at Mosley than Sherman or Verrett or Verrett or whatever his last name, yeah, however Verrett. you pronounce it. <laughs> at least one per podcast, I have to say that. <laughs> um, Beasley has averaged 6.3 catches for 73 yards on 7.3 targets in the four games that John Brown has either missed or was limited due to injury. Um, I think Gabriel Davis is a decent dart throw as well. He had his he had a good game last week, 3 for 79, a touchdown. That touchdown was actually thrown by Cole Beasley. So Beasley was a little bit quiet last week, but I think he'll bounce back and um, have a pretty good game against the 49ers.
0: And then on the other side of it, you also like Brandon Ayuk for the 49ers.
1: Yeah, don't forget about Ayuk. Uh, he went, you know, went to the COVID list. Debo Samuel had a huge game last week and is in the spotlight right now. But Ayuk... Uh, had at least 115 yards and or a touchdown in six of his last seven games. So he was, you know, having a rookie season like Samuel had late last year. Uh, His production in games with Samuel has been a little bit lower, uh, 10.3 points per game in half PPR formats. But with George Kittle out, I just – I see that this offense is probably going to go through – um, Samuel, Ayuk, and maybe maybe Jordan Reed in the passing game.
0: Marquee, uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, broke out finally, at least he did on one catch, for 70 yards and a touchdown. He caught it off Trace McSorley in, in garbage time against the Steelers on Wednesday, but he broke free from one missed tackle, wound up with 85 yards and a touchdown on four of eight targets, and you like him uh, on Sunday, or at least you think he could be a sneaky start against a, a bad Dallas defense.
1: Well, the Brown thing is funny because – not funny, haha, but funny, like, oh, Like, who started him against Nobody. the Steelers <laughs> on the Wednesday game? Like, we didn't even know the game was going to be played. Um, in our FFPC league, we did start Deontay Johnson and uh, Chase Claypool, which is a little bit of a risk, but the last thing we wanted to do is, you know, have Frank Gore and Zach Moss in there combining for 10 points <laughs> and needing – 15 or 20 out of those spots and having a you or having a, a claypool and uh, brown and deontay yeah. johnson uh on the bench so uh but with brown like what's the upside there he's been so bad this year in terms of production um who would have started him i would love to talk to somebody that started him this week or this last week uh i i wrote this before the um the game on wednesday i you know i mentioned that brown is persona grata right now with six catches in four games since the ravens week seven bye um but if mark andrews remains out and or willie sneed remains out um there are extra targets to go around i think brown bounces back with lamar jackson under center it looks like he's probably going to be back and playing against the cowboys so if that's the case i think brown is um a reasonable low-end wide receiver three, wide receiver four type that uh, you could run out there in a great matchup because the, the Cowboys have given up the second-most fancy points to receivers, the 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position, and they're pretty much burnable across the board, so I expect Brown to catch a long this Let's one.
0: Let's wrap up some sneaky starts with tight ends. Kyle Rudolph, he's had a, a decent last couple of weeks now. Uh, he and the Vikings host a bad Jacksonville team on Sunday.
1: Yeah, he had a good game against uh, Chicago in Week 10 with Irv Smith out. Irv Smith missed uh, last week against Carolina. Uh, in those games, Rudolph had 4-for-63 against the Bears and 7-for-68 against Carolina. So quite involved uh, in the in the passing game. And then this is, doesn't even take into account his ability to catch touchdown passes because Kirk, Cousin Kirk Cousins will look at him in the red zone. And he has quite a few touchdowns in his career. So uh, if – Smith is out again and he has not been practicing this is a really nice spot for for Rudolph against Jacksonville and then finally
0: Jordan Reed Jordan Reed caught what six he's seen six targets in back-to-back games as you write on the site catching seven of 12 for 80 yards and he gets the Bills so a couple of guys that you like in that 14 hours passing game this weekend against Buffalo
1: yeah and it's about people not being there to, to take those targets like George Kittle um seven for 67 to Hunter Henry the Bills gave up Last week, five for 60 uh, to Jacob Hollister, five for 65 and two to, to Travis Kelsey, five for 40 and two to Jan- uh, Janu Smith. And that's all since week five. Uh, so Buffalo has struggled against the tight end position. They're 30th in adjusted fantasy points, a lot of the position. And as you mentioned, Reed has those six targets in back-to-back games. He hasn't produced much. Uh, But maybe this is the week where he does get that 40, 50 yards and a touchdown. All
0: right. You can follow John on Twitter at uh, John underscore – I'm sorry at 444 four four underscore John, at 444 four underscore John. I do that every single week, John. you think I would know it by this point, but seemingly every single uh, year I screw that up at least once. Uh, at Anthony Stalter, if you want to follow me on Twitter, good luck in your, what seemingly is coming down to the wire here for fantasy fantasy playoffs if you haven't made it already, having clinched a spot, good luck to you this week, and we'll see you next time on 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast.
2: Slipped the till Slammed your fingers in the door Bought kitchen knives and skewers Dressed me up in women's clothes Messed around with gender roles